0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is just me, Lone Wolf. Everybody I've ever loved and trusted has left me. How dare they? But it'll be fine because, as they say, just because you're alone doesn't mean you're lonely. So I no longer have... um, I no longer have Hunter anymore or Ava, my own sister. Can you believe that? I no longer have either of them anymore. So it's just me, which means we're going to have to rebrand this whole situation here into just the Carson Hager show, which is okay cuz I mean, that's what we really want anyway, isn't it? Um but it's not bar talk anymore. It's not you know, sibling rant, Hager bombs, whatever we called it for that little interim there. But Ava's out in Texas now. She has a husband. He is Native American. His name is Quancho or something like that. Very handsome man, but he doesn't look Native American. He looks kind of Mexican, which is sus, but, you know, whatever. Um, and then Hunter is making beats in the Ukraine, so... Um, You know it is what it is But despite all that I am by myself I am still in Georgia A lot has changed With my plans um, And I'll briefly Discuss that because it's not that interesting I'm essentially just a corporate Chill something I said I would Never, never would be um, But I am because I love money Love money Big money guy can you imagine that um so I got my real estate license and man was it a bitch. It was a bitch. It was way you you typically think and I thought this as well going into it that it's all easy, you know, real estate agents are dumb, which for the most part they are. Um the older ones at least. You just think of some some you know used up whore from uh, high school who went to University of Alabama because she was that's what she was told to do and it looked fun and you know she joined a sorority and all that but it was you know she just couldn't put her pussy away and couldn't close her legs. So she ended up getting pregnant, and then getting an abortion, and then her parents were like, "You're fucking around too much. You've had an abortion, and you know you're you're drinking every night. And we can't afford to spend. We're not poor, but we don't want to, you know, dump sixty grand into you just getting a worthless education." So she pulls out. She moves home, and she's miserable. So what does she do? What does she do? What does a, a big titted blonde who can't figure out her way? in academia do because there's two branches for a big-titted blonde really any white woman but specifically big-titted blondes they either make it in academia they're a hedonistic whore their freshman year maybe even sophomore year let's let's say sophomore year too but they they learn how to balance it they become a nurse or they you know uh, they, they go into marketing or, I mean, God help us, they go into psychology um, because they're the worst women. Not only are they dumb, they think they're far more intelligent than they really are. And that's way worse. I would rather talk to a dumb person who knows they're dumb, especially a woman, than a woman who thinks they're smart but isn't. That is hell. But anyway, so they if they don't make their way there, if they can't make their way in academia, um, they they go to real estate. That's just how the cookie crumbles. That's how the marble falls. Um, no matter how you cut the pie, that's how the pie ends up being sliced. Because it's easy, and it's it's a a way for um, attractive people to leverage their god given aesthetic to the most use. I'm not saying real estate is all you know looks. It's obviously not true, but it's it's uh, easier for a hotter person than it is for an ugly person. And you're kind of guaranteed a minimum if you're attractive, but stupid. Um, you know, like you can sell um, trailer parks to or modular homes to um, other stupid white men and women. Um, but uh, I, it's gotten harder. They they cracked down on it. I've I've heard. I don't know specifically, but. Apparently New York and Colorado's are the hardest. Um, and then Atlanta or I mean Georgia comes in behind that. And I don't really know why. I guess it's because of all these these liberals in Midtown, you know, turning the state blue. And you know the lefties are in favor of regulation. And what does regulation do? It just makes shit harder. So I started taking the Florida one. This is how I came to this conclusion. I started taking the Florida one, and it was a joke. It was a joke. I mean, I could have, I could have completed the Florida real estate course in the womb if I, if I needed to. Um, I, could, I could have gotten off. I could have finished the real estate course for Florida before I got off my mother's tit. That's how easy it was. Um, but Georgia is not that way because it's not really a red state anymore. It's very It's purple, but it's blue in Atlanta, Very blue, Very blue in Atlanta. People would be surprised how progressive inner Atlanta has become. And you know uh, unfortunately, that is where every decision for the rest of Georgia is made. It's the heart of – it's the logistical capital of the world, but it's just the heart of Georgia. There's not much going on here um, unless you're in the military at a but who wants to do that? And then unless you're in Savannah where um, it's just a bunch of non-binary people with nose rings giving ghost tours at the port. Um so, yeah, it was it was tough, but it was fun. It was an interesting ride. It was something different. Um, I think it's going to be fun because it's not the standard boring 9 to 5, sit in an office, jack off, go back to the office, um, hate your wife, go to sleep, go back to the office till you make it to Friday. Then you get drunk and sleep, and then Saturday – College football, Sunday, NFL. That's what the standard 9-to-5 person does because the standard 9-to-5 person is is really nothing but a cog in the machine, um, nothing but uh, a well-behaved slave, if you will. Um, real estate really isn't like that because real estate – like precious metals, like um, weapons manufacturing and, and brokering, it is. Um, it's tangible. It's it's lucrative. It's um, like building construction as well. It's it moves up. It doesn't ever stay stagnant. Um, it's it's ever expanding. You can really make your own way in the world with that, but you can't with accounting. Me gonna do that with counting? Come on. Um. But yeah, that's life for for most nine to five people, as Andrew Tate calls them brokes. You know, it's it's getting through the week, kind of just being a zombie and and trudging through the forty hours of work you have, just so you can make it to the weekend. And um, get high on oxy's, and drink a bottle of Jaeger and watch football, and then eat American food. You've got to eat American. You got to have, you know. You you sit on the couch, and the only time you leave is to get up and go slop some chili that you made that morning. morning. Chili in the morning. Chili in the morning. Chili in the morning in a ball and then go back to the couch. That's the only time you move. That's the only time you move from the couch on weekends if you're a nine to five accountant. And I'm not you know this none of this is bad. None of this is objectively bad. It's just it is what it is. This is why I don't really watch sports because it's weird to me to be so supportive of another man that's doing far better than you while you are doing absolutely nothing to benefit your life in any way. You know, like if you're waking up at 6 a.m. and you're grinding your ass off, then you it's fine. Like it's something to aspire to, I guess you could say, but to be working a shit job being a presumably a shit marriage because all marriages in America are hell um, because Western women are a nightmare. They're abomination um, and to do and to probably have you know shitty furry kids or something. Your kids hate you for whatever reason it may be. Because you got them a Kia Soul instead of a, a, you know, Land Rover. Whatever. Whatever. whatever, Doesn't really matter. Um, To have all that occurring around you and then to not make any effort to fix it and arguably make it worse um, and then just sit around and cheer on another man is – it's unsettling. It's abnormal. And right – you know, take care of yourself. That's like the slave mindset—is—is is, you know, just occupying the masses, getting them entertained enough to where they don't act out of line. Because you know damn well if you didn't have football, if you didn't have Kardashians, if you didn't have uh, you know, the eighth Lord of the Rings or the sixtieth Harry Potter or the eighteenth John Wick, which I love John Wick by the way. Um, you know, they would act out of line, and they know that, so they give you all this entertainment. Okay? That, that's one reason why they give you. Now, Hollywood is also very ingrained with propaganda, but that's a whole another conversation. The, the main part, the main um, commonality of entertainment through all civilizations. Is to occupy the masses so they stay the fuck in line. You feed the cattle so they're happy. You make the monkey dance so the monkey doesn't tear your face off. Whatever it may be. And um, yeah, so that's that's why. Now I don't frown on anybody who does it because it's a big part of American culture is to watch sports. The Falcons and the Braves and the Hawks and the fucking the Stripers and, uh, you know, the the Gwinnett Gladiator hockey team, like whatever. Um, They give you 18 different teams so you can support. So you can always find one. If you don't like one of them, just, you know, go over to the next one and it'll be fine. You'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, the only sport I really enjoy is UFC, and I don't really watch it. I don't. I don't watch the fights live anymore. I used to. I don't anymore. I really just watch um, highlights and stuff now. But I need to because old Dana's a capitalist, and he's made it affordable now. Go Dana. Um, but because fighting is such a, it's such a spiritual thing almost um, that it's it's different from sports. You know, people in sports are maybe in it because they're passionate about it, but usually just because of the money. Usually, it's just a, a kid who's poor. And he is desperate to get out of that poor situation so he can play some sports. And I'm when I when I fault sports, I'm not faulting them at all. That's capitalism. They found a niche, something they're good at, um, a specialization that they can monetize, and they've been able to do it. it, it it's our fault for supporting it. So you know, go go them. Um, but. UFC and fighting in general is just, it's a different beast. It's a spiritual thing. You know, we've been fighting in war and um, combat. Combat has been, I don't want to say intricate, but an intricate part of human, especially masculine human existence, since the dawn of time. Since the dawn of time. not even necessarily because of war, just because it's your duty to be capable as a man, to be physically capable. Um, And so it's like this thing that's ingrained in us. We're kind of arguably supposed to be good in combat anyway, um, but obviously these guys take it to a maximum, to an extreme, and become very proficient in it. And it's just this this uh, um, awesome exhibit. And I don't mean awesome as in like awesome. I mean awesome as in like awesome. That's a biblical term. Look it up. It means you're in awe of something. I know many of you don't know that because you're too busy watching Emma Chamberlain. If you're busy watching the YouTube videos that I know, you'd know that uh, 9-11 was staged because of the abestos insurance policy that they were able to take out on the buildings. And about the word awesome and what it actually means. But I digress. I digress. Um, so, yeah. I mean, what... What else is going on now? Maui. Maui's been destroyed. Ravaged I saw something funny where um, It was like Ukraine in trouble Sends 60 billion dollars How much ever we've sent over there We've sent the bag over there for sure Ukraine 60 billion dollars Maui like 20 million if that And a bunch of Death and uh, You know Joe Biden goes over there And just gives an amazing speech And about how he can relate because his kitchen almost almost burnt down, and um, that is that is correlative to your state being melted and it your car being melted into the ground, which is also a little bit suspicious. In it, in it, it's a little sus. I mean, I'll look up pictures of this car right now. It's insane how this these cars in Maui have literally melted into the street, which I, I'm going to make an assumption here is not um, possible with wildfire. I have no idea, but... We'll see. Yeah, I mean, these cars are just like insanely damaged. You know, like melted. It's it's weird. And then I'm not gonna be able to find it right now. But the whole conspiracy route with this, and I'm not saying I believe it. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I don't, but I'm not saying I do. Again, this is a comedy show, so don't flag me for this. Um, But the conspiracy behind it is that the government has used Dew weapons, D E W, which means direct energy weapons. Stands for direct energy weapons, um, which are essentially hyper concentrated laser beams from, I believe, space, but maybe even air. I think airplanes, too. I think planes, too. Um, But that they've been using them for years and that they they were the cause behind the California wildfires and they were the cause behind uh, the Maui wildfires. And the interesting thing about that, I never really believed in that just because I don't care about it. Um, But I did see one video that intrigued me where apparently – These laser beams, since they are just light, they can't um, burn through the color blue for some reason. I can't remember why, um, but they can't burn through the color blue. And, And then in the street view of Maui after these fires, there were blue cars that were untouched with cars around them that were melted. I'm not saying I believe it, I'm not saying I don't, I'm not saying I believe it, and I'm not saying I don't, I'm just saying it merits investigation, which they will not do, they will not do, they will not investigate it and from that point of view, they would never do that, um, they haven't even investigated 9-11, you know, they haven't declassified JFK, you think they're going to investigate that shit? They haven't investigated Epstein, no, they actually. They'll never investigate it because they don't care. I saw something funny the other day. They'll never tell you about things that A, hurt their image, or B, um, they've told you the narrative is led opposite of that. Okay? Like they'll never let you know something that was opposite of what they said before. Okay. Like in 2020, you know, we were told, oh, you know, the vaccine, or 2021, I guess. Oh, the vaccine's safe. You're crazy. You're a Nazi. You're a white supremacist somehow um, if you don't take the vaccine. And then fast forward two years, people are dropping of um, what do they call it? SCDs, sudden cardiac deaths. Yeah, sudden cardiac deaths um, are going through the roof. And they tell you, well, it might be, we don't really know, but it might be maybe, perhaps, possibly harmful. We don't know, but it could be. That And that's the furthest they'll ever go with that. They will never, ever, 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 ever say that it wasn't, um, that it was bad. They might say it wasn't necessarily good. They might say it wasn't the best. They might say it wasn't as good as they thought, but they'll never say it's bad. Because they're all liars. They're all liars. Um, so yeah, they'll, they'll never actually tell... Um, what's going on with this whole Maui thing, and you know what the fuck's going on with Ukraine? God knows what's going on with Ukraine. Um, I think Zelensky's still able to milk some funds, but that chapter looks like it's wrapping up. Putin took out Prigozhin, which I thought was just hilarious um, to do. Prigozhin is the the uh, leader of the mercenary group. Wagner, I believe it's called, Wagner Group, um, Russian mercenaries, who stormed into, I believe it was two months ago, one or two months ago, stormed Moscow, um, allegedly overtook Putin, but that really wasn't what happened, um, and then immediately retreated, which was a really dumb move on his part because I know we like to say the Russian military is weak and I know we like to sit, pretend that like Putin's this dog backed into a corner and we almost got him and we're almost there. We're, we're preventing Hitler number two from happening. Um, but that in reality, that wasn't what was going on. What was going on is this infantry, boots on the ground, light infantry, um, comprised of soldiers only, foot soldiers only, mercenary group, went into Russia as a power move. And then when they left, they knew they had to leave. They couldn't stay there because if Putin really wanted to, he could just fucking, you know, barrel bomb every inch of Moscow if he really wanted to and decimate him. Um, and Prigozhin knew that, so he wasn't going to stay, obviously. But Um, it was a power move. I've heard to keep him alive because he was maybe at risk of being put to death, of being, uh, if you will, Clintoned. But uh, that didn't work out in his favor, and his cards only bought him enough time to get another month. Which is a smart move when you know that you're. Probably going to die within a week You know there's that old legend about um, That Indian king Who uh, Sentenced A poor man to death But the man um, Right before his execution He said My king If you give me a year I can make your best horse fly and so the king, um, with nothing to lose, really by by, at least allowing him the chance to make that happen, um, permitted it. He, he granted a stay of execution, and so he put him in the horse stable. And then after three months, one of the other prisoners came up to the horse trainer, the new prisoner, and he said, "It's been three months, and the the, the horse ain't flying." And so the prisoner says, "Yeah." That's all he says Yeah And uh, then the prisoner's like Well then how come you made that promise If you can't make the horse fly And the prisoner says Well I've bought myself time And in that time One of three things can possibly happen Either the king dies I will die Or the horse will fly And that's what Progression did Presumably, but unfortunately for him, his horse could not fly and his time expired. And so did he. But yeah, all hell's breaking loose in America and around the world. Um, We got an election that is just going to be, I mean, man, interesting, is an understatement. Is an understatement. I'd like to announce that I will be voting for good old Donald Trump, as Jesse Lee Pearson calls him, the great white hope, in the next election. Um... And, and not by intellect or rationality, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, um, but by, by looking at what's going on with the whole instead of the part. Um, I think there's like an old adage, if you focus on the drop in an ocean, if you focus on a drop of water too long, you miss the entire ocean. That's what many intellectuals do. Um, Especially, especially, especially like militant atheists People like Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens Is they'll point out one or two things One or two fallacies in the Bible Whether or not they're strong, whether or not they're strong, it doesn't really matter Um, But they'll focus on one or two things And not really pay attention to the whole And most of the time You can judge something best when looking at the whole. Okay? So maybe Christian, like, oh, well, uh, you know, actually, it's impossible for a whale to swallow a man and then he live. Okay, all right. All right, but look at the whole. Does the whole story make sense to you? Yes? All right, then back off. Chill out. You know, like the the most perplexing thing to me about staunch atheism is the fact that they're staunch about it. You know, like it, it's, it's kind of a paradox. It's like atheists say, well, I'm not religious. I don't believe in any religion. Well, are you? Because if you're talking about it all the time... Isn't that at least functionally the same thing as a religion, right? You get what I'm, you get where I'm going here. Do you see where this path is headed? Thou doth protest too much, It's Shakespeare. If you're so angry about it and always going on and on and on and on and on about it, do you really not believe it or do you just hate it? Do you just not like it? Do you have some vendetta against it? Because that's probably what it is. But I I will say this. I will say this. I do have more respect for atheists than I do have for agnostic people. Um... Because agnostic is such a – being agnostic is such a cop-out of an understanding of the universe, okay? Um, Because they're they're all – they operate under the phrase of, well, I can't know. It's impossible to prove the existence of a god so I don't believe in one. Or I don't know what to believe, or I'm confused, or I don't like the Bible, or whatever it may be. And my thing with that is, okay, if it's, let's say, let's say, even to the atheists and theists alike, let's say that God is real, okay? God is real in this hypothetical world. God is objectively, provably real, would it not be the most important thing to know that? Right? Like, if in, in the universe where you know God is real, is it more important to know that God is real? Or is it more important to know um, why tides are created in the ocean? You know, it, it'd be the most important thing. God, God being real would be the most important thing. So in this debate as to whether or not there's a god would it not be more important to figure that out would it not be more important to figure out whether or not you believe god exists than to get a nine to five horseshit job would it not be the most important thing to figure out that's the thing is that if god is real It would be the most important thing to understand, to grasp, to figure out. So the excuse of atheism of, well, I can't can't possibly understand. I don't know why I'm doing it. It's more, I can't possibly understand, so I don't believe. It's just like, okay, all right. All right, all right, we get it. You're focused on your career. That's really what that means. Um, I have a funny joke about atheism, actually. You want to hear it? Of course you do. Nobody's listening to this. I'm, I'm, I'm literally talking to a wall right now is what I'm doing. I'm going to upload this and nobody will listen. Not even my mother. I have two listeners, and the two listeners are my dogs, Thurston and Levy. God love them. Um, But yeah crazy times. Figure it out. At least figure it out. You know, if you're an atheist, be an atheist. If you're if you're a Christian, be a Christian. If you're a Muslim, be a Muslim. Don't be agnostic. That's such an indecisive, you know, weak position to take. It's just, well, I, I don't know, so I'm not going to ponder it much. Okay, it, but it's the most important thing to know and to figure out, so... Another development in my life is that I have recently become a follower. I'm not a part because I have not been yet, but I am a follower of the Orthodox Church. Um, And I know that's radical, but I think it is increasingly necessary and it is the, the truth. It is the ultimate truth. The reality is that most Christians in America, especially Protestants, some Catholics, but especially Protestants, are um, purely Christians for the social gain. You know? Um, because religion is what your life is centered about. That's, that's really what religion is. No matter how you cut it, Slice is the same. Religion is what is the center of your life, okay? And this is kind of what I was saying with atheism. With atheists, the center of their life is non-belief and, and uh, validating that thought pattern. It could be science. Their religion could be science if they rely on that. Um, for Muslims, their religion is, is Islam. For Jews, their religion is Judaism. Some of them. A lot of Jews don't believe anything. Some of them are maybe satanic. I didn't say that. Kanye did. But that's what religion is. And so if your religion... if Well, I'll say it this way. If the center of your life is not... Christ, then you're just not a Christian, okay? And Protestants typically, typically, only go to church one one hour a week, if that, if they even go to church at all. If they even go to church at all, it's one hour a week. Now that math don't add up because you have how much? You have 168 hours in a week, right? Seven times twenty-four. Yeah, 168. You have 168 hours in a week. And you put one to going to church and to worship. Is that the center of your life? Is the center of your life something you put one hour into? Methinks not. Now, you know, there's a margin of error there. Some will do more. Some will go to small groups, Bible studies, do their daily... Prayer and worship. Um, Some will do less, far less than that. Some won't go at all. They'll only go for Easter. They'll only go for Christmas. Or they might not even go then. They might just say they're a Christian. And and give me the old cop out of, well, my relationships between me and God. God. Yahweh. Help me. That is the most annoying and um, antithetical to what the gospel preaches position regarding the relationship with god i've ever heard because a key one the, the aspects of the church are this one we're commanded to go that just is what it is two uh, iron sharper's iron, accountability is important. If you're never checked on your faith, how would you know it's true? Mm-hmm. Three, um, it, it's a communal thing, it's a spiritual thing. When you go into a church and you truly open your heart up, you will gain um, far more than being a hermit by yourself. Okay? Far more. It's a community. You're, you're, we're stronger in numbers. You know, Christianity is a collectivist system. It does not thrive on solitude. It is not like Buddhism. It is not like Hinduism. It does not thrive on solitude. It's a communal thing. It's what the the entire gospel is predicated on go out and make followers of Christ. That's what you're supposed to do. You know. Now, if you're hermiting and you're going on mission trips to Africa, you're fine. You are fine. You you this does not pertain to you, so check out now. Um, which is what Thurston does. But for the most part, many people just either say that or they don't trust the church or, you know, the church is corrupt, you know. I don't like my pastor. Okay, then the problem is, well, were you going to church for the pastor or were you going to church for God? Right? My whole, um, a year ago, the church that I went to for that whole year... Um majority of the now sometimes it was good but majority of the time I didn't really like the worship. I wasn't in love with the pastor Um, I didn't really know anybody. I'd go by myself most of the time but It it's not supposed to be for any of that. It's not supposed to be for Whether you like the music whether you like the pastor. It's something you're commanded to do It's something that not only helps yourself but helps others helps others um, you're strengthening them, and but back to my main point: many Protestants just have not upheld the um, original premise of Protestantism, which was the corrupt politicization of the Catholic Church, which is you know very true. And so I diverted away from contemporary Protestantism and I was kind of looking into Catholicism and Orthodox. And the history of it is that there was the Great was Schism of 1054, which separated the Catholic and the Orthodox Church. And I can't remember if it was over theological reasons or political reasons, but the Catholic Church became ultra-political. Um, establishing what essentially is a theocracy through the Vatican Church and the Pope. And then the Orthodox Church remained that very traditional, um, ritualistic, um, regimented faith that I think gives value. I think it gives value. I have found, as Jocko Willing says, discipline equals freedom okay you know like all these all these uh, biblical values that everybody thinks are so oppressive, you know the woman submitting to the man, man not engaging in debauchery, man not cheating, all that stuff. Um, it's anti-hedonism and it is paradoxical in the fact that it fulfills your soul. It fulfills your soul. You know, I was an alcoholic. Um, I guess I still am, but, you know, I I used to drink a lot and I used to be a heathen and I used to have premarital sex and, you know, all that shit. And when I think back to those times, I realized that I wasn't free by not obeying um, God's commands. I was more, not only was I not happy, but. It was because I was a slave to those things. You're always a slave to something out there. You're a slave to attention. You're a slave to alcohol. You're a slave to sex. You're a slave to uh, culture. You're a slave to social media. you a slave to uh, materialism, money, whatever. whatever. You can go down the fucking line. But the promise of Christ is that you're a slave to Christ and that this is the best master to have. That's really what it is. Pick your master. Pick your master. It's what you have to do. You always have a master. Everybody. I don't care if you're an atheist. Even if you are a nihilist, which is you know, true atheism, the belief in nothing. If you are a true nihilist, you are still a slave and your religion is, but you're still a slave to the belief in entropy and chaos and randomness and, uh, meaninglessness, you know, you're a slave to the abyss. It's really what it is. No matter how you cut it, slice turns out the same. You're a slave to the abyss. You're a slave to something. Um, so that's the, the value in being a slave to God is that you're a slave to the, to the almighty Lord, to Yahweh, Elohim, Yeshua, God. And he's the best master. I got it. Um... But anyway, so the back to the whole Catholic thing. Why I didn't go the Catholic route. Um, the Catholic Church has, as most people know, become incredibly corrupt because their intention to weaponize faith for political power and political gain. Um, and even though I'm Orthodox, I maintain... I maintain the position that there should be a separation of church and state, and I believe they do as well. Um, one of the appealing videos that—one uh, of, the, the, of the appealing introductions I had to um, Orthodoxy was a priest who, when asked whether Jesus was a capitalist or socialist— he said, "Neither. Both are godless ideologies. They are both godless ideologies. Socialism and capitalism. Fundamentally, fundamentally, am I already cut it? They are godless. You can cut the pie with a fork, spoon, or knife. Still godless. Um. Now, many people will make the argument that capitalism promotes freedom." Which God does, but still that doesn't mean that God supports capitalism over socialism. It, it really it's it's not it's like trying to put a square in a circle hall in a circular hole It ain't gonna work. Doesn't fit. Um and so they're very they're very regimented and traditional, yet they are not political and theocratic. Now the second reason and probably the most um the most prevalent reason for me and I think one that that Christians should be aware of is the belief in demons being ever prevalent and uh the devil. The devil. Um because Nowhere in the Bible does it guarantee that you're free of demons. And um, our faith is one of offense and defense. Offense meaning chasing Christ, defense against the devil, uh, Lucifer, who is trying to corrupt us. And if you neglect either one of those, you, I think, fall into a bad standing. But, um, but. Protestants have kind of let go of that Catholics have as well um, In in very recent age Catholics held on to it longer than Protestants I believe But the Orthodox Church remains very um, Stern on that fact and, and I found it Very prevalent in my life And it helps me a lot To acknowledge that um, To see temptation everywhere You know you would think that it'd be it 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 make you anxious and very scared, but it's actually the reverse. Again, paradoxically, it's the reverse. For instance, I used to have a tough time waking up. I wake up at five every day um, because in order to get everything I need to get done, like recording this popular podcast, I have to wake up at five to just fit it all in. Um. And so one of the things that I, I realized And that I've been telling myself every day Is that the devil wants you to sleep The devil wants you to sleep He wants you to sleep And when you get those thoughts When you wake up out of bed And that 5am alarm goes off And you're like man I just want to go back to sleep That's the damn devil in your ear Telling you to go back to sleep Because when you're asleep Number one, you're more more vulnerable. Sleep paralysis that's why that happens. You have dreams where the devil can infiltrate. Um, But number two, when you're awake, you can't do God's work. Can't do God's work. The devil wants me asleep because when I'm asleep, I can't be glorifying Yahweh in my waking hours. You're not glorifying God. You're not... You're not making use of Imago Dei, the image of God, by being asleep in your bed. Wake up. Wake up. Get up. It's Satan. It's Belphegor. One of the princes of hell. Prince of sloth. The vice of sloth. Telling you to go back to sleep. That's what it is. So, yeah, I've I I become uh, very vigilant and um, defensive in my faith, and I believe that Orthodox Christianity is the best way to go to develop that and to attain and retain that mindset. Um, and then one of the other things I discovered, because I'll be very frank with you, my friends, I did get into New Age occultism. Um, over the past year, and it takes on many forms. It takes on so many forms. You know, Buddhism, yoga, um, conscious expanding of consciousness, um, star seed practice, Reiki, um, magic—all those things were things I believed in over the past year. But the interesting thing was is that um, I got into it because the message is that you're one of God's chosen people and you're glorifying God by doing this, but it's not true. And you understand that better when you know the story of who the devil really is. So we beg the question: Who is the devil? Who's the devil? Answer it for me right now. I'll give you a couple seconds. Throw out some names. You're gonna say it's Satan. You're gonna say it's Beelzebub. You're gonna say well, I don't know. The devil is just the devil. Whatever. They're all wrong. Okay. And it's important to understand who the devil is. So I'm gonna tell you right now. Okay. Who's the devil? What's his name? His name is Lucifer. Lucifer. Many people don't know the story of Lucifer. Lucifer, this is in Genesis, all backed up. Lucifer was God's prized angel, okay? God's best, most uh, glorified angel in heaven, okay? Well, Lucifer, I'll tell you what sin he represents. He represents the sin of pride, and that'll make sense. Keep that idea in your little head. Keep that idea microwaving in your little head as I say this. Lucifer was so great that he believed he could run heaven better than God himself. So God, when he saw this, cast him out of heaven into hell because of his pride. Because of his pride. Now, what does Lucifer mean? Lucifer means, literally, light bringer. Okay, that's what it means. Look it up. I think it's Hebrew. I don't know. It means light bringer, and that's important because when you think of the devil, you don't you think of um, darkness and you think of wrath, you think of um, hideousness, abomination, which all of them are, but it's under the guise of bringing you the light. Hence the saying: the road to hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. So the promise of the New Age Movement, which is the most deceptive and most evil and heinous psychological operations of the 21st century, and really of all time, is that you are glorifying God by having this special knowledge, which is really when you look at it, no matter how you cut it, Is antithetical to the teaching of the Bible. Teaching of the Bible, teaching of Jesus Christ, is faith, is salvation through faith. Okay? Faith alone. You don't need any special knowledge, it's all there. Read the Bible, it's in there, it's available. You can go get it whenever you want, free of charge. Unless it's Jensen Franklin, then it'll charge you $70. I'm kidding. I don't know the man. Um, But the promise of New Ageism is that you're special. And you're special because this knowledge has found you. And this is hidden knowledge. And this is good knowledge. And this knowledge leads to God. But it's not true. It's not true. It's deceptive because then you mistake God for the devil. For the devil. All of it with good intentions. Of course all of it is with good intentions. Duh. And that's a problem with really everybody when they um, look at evil figures throughout history, when they look at villainy, tyranny, and just evil in general, is they think that the perpetrators of evil know they're doing wrong but keep doing it. How childish are we to think that? How much would we learn from history if we looked at all the greatest villains and all the greatest atrocities and instead of thinking how different am I from them, thinking of how similar you are towards them? Smoke on that for a bit. And why do I say that? Well, let's look at the most, the most uh, notorious figure, in modern history at least, Hitler. Okay? Answer this question. Do you think Hitler knew he was doing wrong and kept doing it anyway? Or do you think that Hitler thought what he was doing was good? What do you really think? B's the correct answer. The latter. Or the former, I don't know. I'm not smart. Um But he thought he was doing good. Every single villain throughout history thinks they're doing good. To think otherwise is preposterous. Absolutely heinous. And foolish. It's foolish! How and and the prideful! How mighty of you to think that you're so good and that they you look down on them. They must have thought that what they were doing was bad because I can do no wrong, right? Every evil has been committed in the act in the name of good, okay? And that's because. As humans, our inclination is utilitarian good. What does that mean? I'll tell you. What does that mean? Don't worry, I'll tell you. What does that mean? There's a difference between doing good and being good. Okay? Humans, the devil, new New ageism, honestly, wokeism too has the goal of being good. They have good intentions. But the problem with that is that good is the end there. The end is to be good by whatever means necessary. Now, the means might be bad. You might have to do some bad things to get there, like Hitler killing 6 million Jews. That's bad, right? Bad means, but it was for the good of purifying society. Obviously, don't agree with that but that's what it was, okay? Now, juxtapose that with doing good, okay? Because doing good is what God tells us to do in the Bible, okay? Doing good, right now, in the moment, behind closed doors, out in the open, no matter where, always do good, and not worrying about the ends. The ends could be bad. The ends could be nothing. The ends could be good. You don't know, but... You do know that the end guaranteed is salvation by doing good, okay? Because then there's no mistake. There's no conflating doing good with being good and good being the ends. There is just doing good every step along the way. It's kind of like, imagine this, okay? You're in just fog. You can't see five feet ahead of you okay? Being good is like wandering aimlessly um, away from the path that's in front of you to try to get to whatever desired destination. Let's say it's your house, okay? And it's somewhere out there, but you don't know where, okay? I want you to imagine this, smoke on this. But doing good is following that path. And yeah, that path might lead to the left and then to the right and then backwards and then forwards and then left again, but it'll get you to the house. It'll get you to that house, which is salvation, which is good in the end. Doing good by the means always leads to a good end in the end. I'm using a lot of the same words. It's because I'm trying to get my point across to you retards. Okay. This is why this is why I don't agree with abortion. I know that's so bad. It's so bad how naughty of a boy I am that I don't promote female autonomy. But it's because I don't believe in being good. I believe in doing good. Okay? I get. The premise behind abortion is that the means are killing a baby, taking a life for the end of good, which is freedom. Right? But you've got to ask yourself do those means really justify the ends? Okay? The opposite of that is yeah, maybe you want to get pregnant, didn't want to get pregnant, but you got to do good. You got to keep that baby. And it might be rough in the time being, it might be rough for a while, but. The end is good in that either, you know, you end up loving the child, the child grows up great. um, You realize that you almost made a mistake that was irreversible or, you know, God approves of that. So you just, you made right with God. You made right with God. All right. Is that not enough for you fucking people to make right with Yahweh? Okay. So that's the difference. And this is the promise of Lucifer. This is the promise of the devil. Is if you just try to be good, and you, you, by whatever means necessary, you'll be good. But guess what? Guess what? The means are probably bad, and that means you're going to hell. It means you're going to hell. So, yeah. Um, I've run out of time I went a little over time I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm a naughty boy I hope you listen to this I hope you like it I hope you enjoy it I hope you smoke on it I hope you let it marinate in your little tiny brain and you become a righteous child of God instead of a, uh, if you're a woman a daughter of Eve and then if you're a man a son of Cain don't be either of those They're evil people. Eve too. Recognize Eve was evil. That whore. That whore took the apple and she bit it. And she tricked her husband. Now Adam, you know, I mean, he was dumb for doing that. I, I, I can say that. Okay? We can say that. But Eve was the real problem. She was a whore. She wanted too much. Too greedy. And again, in the name of being good. I mean, I'm going to extend the time a little bit. This is my show. Fuck off. Eve was, when she bit the apple, she didn't do it um, with the intention of the end being wrong. She did it, maybe knowing that the means were wrong, but with the end of being good, right? So the means justified the end. The means were to find God so that the end was good, was enlightenment. Um, bes- the bestowment of knowledge, consciousness, whatever you want to say. By the way, this is a curious fact about Genesis, and I'll end on this. The word for serpent used in Genesis in Hebrew is nakash, okay? Now that's a mistranslation because nakash, as a noun, means serpent. That is correct. But as a name, you know what nakash means? Light bringer. Does that sound familiar? All right. So check out the pod. Show me some love. Leave a review. We might post this on YouTube. I might go to Rumble. The next one's going to be video. Okay. So I know you want to see my pretty face and remember how much of a midget I am and and uh, vertically challenged. But hey, it's coming soon. Don't worry about it. Just you know, listen to this. Listen to it before you go to bed. Um. Listen to it before you pray, when you wake up, when you go into work out, while you're eating. Show it to your parents. Show it to your significant other. Let your dog listen to it. It ain't gonna hurt the dog. But I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, tune in next time. And uh, peace be with you. Amen.